This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. ER Vet is brought to you by Carnivora. Get healthy and stay healthy with nature's nutritional powerhouse. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Craig Pryor about all things parasite-related. And this is very important to pay attention to because we're going to talk about some infectious things that end up resulting in an emergency visit to the ER. And I want to help keep your dog and your cat safe. So we'll be right back after these messages. Hi, this is Deborah Lau, president of Carnivore Research International. Did you know that people have used Carnivore for their pets successfully for a wide range of immune challenges for many decades? Here are Carnivore clients sharing their pet's testimonial. Our little dog developed this lymph problem. We took him in for surgery last year. We noticed a lump on his chest that was a lymph node that was swelled up. So the doctor checked it out. He had it analyzed and everything, and uh, the chemotherapy lasted for six months. He started developing more uh, lymph nodes that were swelled up. So I thought I'd just try carnivore. We started that, and uh, he really responded. The lymph nodes started to go down, swelling did. Then I took him into the vet to have him checked out, and there was no sign of any disease at all inside in the internal organs at all. Call 866-836-8735. That's 866-836-8735. Or visit carnivore.com. That's C-A-R-N-I-V-O-R-A.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. So excited to be speaking with Dr. Craig Pryor today from CAPSI, which stands for the Companion Animal Parasite Council, where he's a board member and the immediate past president. Dr. Pryor, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Glad to be with you. So first of all, I can tell from your accent that you're probably from Australia, but just so our <laughs> audience knows who you are, do you mind just telling us a little bit of background about who you are, where you trained and what you do now? Yes. So I have been practicing veterinary medicine for 36 years. I am a graduate of the University of Queensland in Australia. So uh, Brisbane, Queensland is where I'm from. I grew up. I actually took a year off university and represented Australia at the 1982 World's Fair. And that's where actually where I met my future wife and ended up moving to the US. I've been practicing in the Nashville area ever since. I've owned a eight doctor practice, been a managing partner of three emergency clinics that we owned. Um, I now do a lot of consulting, a lot of speaking, and I still practice some as well. So, and then I sit on the board of the Companion Animal Parasite Council, which is a national nonprofit. Um, we are funded by industry. We're totally independent by industry. And our purpose is to help veterinarians by providing guidelines and mapping on parasites, but also education of the general public on how best to protect their pets, because we feel that by protecting your pet, you're protecting the family. 
Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't realize there can be transmission of certain diseases between your pet and your family members. And obviously we as veterinary professionals want to help keep your pets safe. So I will say during the COVID pandemic, I have seen so many puppies and the occasional kitten come into the veterinary ER. And the main reason why is they're coming in for what we define as more simple things like being dewormed. Yes. But they can't get into the veterinary clinic because vets are curbside and they're so busy right now. And that's because the whole United States and the whole world has adopted more pets. And because we're curbside and because we had limitations on ability to do PPE, it's really hard to get into your vet right now. Don't despair. You can always you know, call to make an appointment. But we're seeing a lot of pets come in just even for deworming. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is this press release that you released on the top 10 cities report when it comes to different parasites, specifically roundworm tests. Now, do you mind just telling me a little bit, first of all, what are roundworms and why are roundworms more prevalent during the winter? Right. So roundworms are intestinal parasite of dogs and cats. Well, we're talking specifically dogs and cats. Roundworms can affect many more animals, but we are specifically concentrating on dogs and cats. So uh, intestinal parasite of dogs and cats live in their small intestines. So uh, for everyone out there that's really unfamiliar with them, they contract the parasite by maybe they've lapped out of a puddle or sniffed some you know, grass that's been contaminated with parasitic elements. You know, we see it very commonly just outside in this contaminated soil and they pick up the parasitic egg and then it, the larva hatches, penetrates the mucosa and it goes through a migration through the body. And uh, so it can mi migrate through the major organs, the liver, the lungs. Um, these larval stages can actually insist in the muscle and lie dormant for a long period of time and then reactivate and continue their uh, migration until they end up back in the intestines where they then breed or reproduce. And then the female worm starts laying eggs again. And one female roundworm can lay literally hundreds of thousands of eggs in their lifetime, which then contaminate the soil. And these eggs will actually lie dormant in the soil and they can live for years literally survive for years. And that's a very major thing. But we do find that the winter months is when we tend to see a spike in the numbers. And, you know, it's just to do with the life cycle and what the environmental conditions that they really like. And so we tend to find that the, you know, um, January, February tend to be the months we see the highest number of roundworms. And the other thing I, I didn't mention too, was this tends to affect, even though it affects do adult dogs and cats, we tend to see puppies and kittens be affected more from it. And one of the reasons why is that there is a transmission phase from the mother to the puppies while they're still in utero. So we call that transplacental. So puppies can be born with it and kittens and puppies can also contract it when they're feeding from their mother. So from their mother's milk. So we got transmammary transmission as well. So they, puppies can be born with it. Puppies and kittens can contract it on day one of being born through their mother's milk as well. And so it tends to be, you know, a huge problem in puppies and kittens. And, you know, the typical signs we see in puppies and kittens are the pot bellies, the unthriftiness, the, you know, loss of weight, vomiting, diarrhea, dull hair coat, things like that can make them very, very sick. 
All right. So great point. Remember, puppies and kittens can get roundworms from their mother either through the placenta or by nursing. And so my assumption as a veterinarian is we just automatically assume all puppies and kittens have roundworms. Correct. And, you know, I'm going to say I was shocked when I saw this list of the top 10 cities that had the highest percentage of roundworms. So if you live in Charleston, West Virginia, Mobile, Alabama, Wichita, Kansas, Colleen, Texas, Little Rock, Arkansas, Miami, Florida, Memphis, Tennessee, Alexandria, Virginia, which is right outside of DC, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I apologize if I'm hacking this, but Visalia, California. And so these are warmer Southern areas or warmer areas in general. Now I'm based out of Minnesota and I still see a ton of roundworm. So really yes. important that you be aware of this. Now is roundworm hard to treat and can a pet potentially die from a roundworm infection? You know, I think I've seen puppies that have got obstructions, but they have so many adult roundworms that they get, they actually get intestinal obstruction from it. So there, it is potential. It makes them very, very sick um, in the young animals. It's so easy to treat. It's not an expensive thing to treat. It's very simple for your veterinarian to treat your pet. And I think that one of the key elements is that it is so easy to prevent. So people tend to devalue the, the product by calling these monthly preventives heartworm prevention. Well, it's really the preventives you're giving. If you're giving it on a monthly basis, there we've got really good preventives out there that, you know, key elements are people like to think of them as heartworm preventions. They're really not. They're broad spectrum preventives because these most of these products will do more than one parasite. So there's uh, many products out there that will do heartworms, intestinal parasites, specifically against hookworms and roundworms and even whipworms. And we even have products now that will, you know, go against fleas and ticks and the same thing as well. So we can help to prevent many different parasites at one time with our monthly products. And so, you know, the key is that you need to talk to your regular veterinarian. Your veterinarian is the local experts. They know your pet. They know you. They know your children. They know your lifestyle. They're the ones that are best able to help design a preventative program to best protect your pet and your family. Now, I know you mentioned before that dogs and cats can easily become infected uh, when they're nursing off their mother or through the placenta. But what are some other ways that pets can be infected with roundworm? Well, you know, interestingly enough, they've done some studies and less than 50% of people pick up their stools after their pets. And that's a sad thing. And so- That's so gross. Yes, it it's is. It's your pet responsibility to always pick up poop. Right. And there's your key right there. Scoop the poop. If your dog goes out in your backyard, then you should be scooping the poop at least once a week. And that's what we call breaking the pre-patent life cycle. So you're actually helping to break that life cycle because you're stopping the progression from the eggs to larval stages to onto infecting your pet. The other thing is, is that when you go to the dog park, you know, yeah, so many people love to go to dog parks and they're great social areas for animals, but people tend to use them as their social time as well. Well, it's okay to socialize while you're there, but watch your dog, supervise your dog. And when your dog poops, go pick it up. But that's the same thing. Less than 50% of people at dog parks will pick up their dog stools. And, you know, think about that um, tennis ball that you see rolling around in the dog park. How long has that dirty tennis ball been rolling around that dog park for? A day, a week, a month? We don't know. But I've actually heard a parasitologist say that he thinks that the tennis ball in the dog park is the perfect transmission vehicle for worm eggs. 
because it's collecting it. It's that fuzzy tennis ball is collecting all the soil on the outside, rolls around in the mud, it's going to pick up worm eggs. So, you know, if I go to the dog park, I take my own ball with my dog and it's a smooth plastic ball that she plays with. And then we wash it when we get home. You know, it's, uh, it's just common sense type of thing. So uh, I think that's important. But the other thing is, is that there was a study that was done, released this year that, sh- that was um, looking at parasitic elements in dog parks. And they collected over 3,000 samples from mainly adult, stool samples from mainly adult dogs from 200 metropolitan dog parks across the US. What the results showed that was over 80% of dog parks are contaminated with parasitic elements and one in five stool samples were positive for intestinal parasites. And, you know, the key is, is that when you take your dog to a groomer or a boarding facility, daycare, the veterinary clinic, whatever, your dog or cat, you know, the rules are they've got to be free of internal and external parasites. Well, dog parks have no such rules. So dog parks are equal opportunity infectors with parasites. And so it's important to make sure your pet is on a preventive to help protect them because it comes back to we're not just protecting the pet, we're ultimately protecting the family because roundworms are zoonotic. What does that mean? So zoonosis is something that can be transmitted from animals to humans. So classic example, everyone's so, so, so familiar with it, COVID-19. It was believed to have crossed from an animal to a human in China somewhere. And now we're seeing the end result of global pandemic. That's a zoonotic disease. So roundworms are zoonotic as well. So, you know, it's that old adage, you know, your grandma always told you, wash your hands before you eat. You know, when you're a kid, you came in, she'd go, go wash your hands before you eat. Why are we doing that? Because we don't want to, you know, if you've been outside playing in the soil, you don't know what's been contaminated. There was, there was actually another study done a couple of years ago where they looked globally at uh, soil in common areas. So I'm not talking dog parks now. I'm just talking bikeways, beaches, municipal parks, you know, greenways, things like that. And it was done globally, but they actually took soil samples in Connecticut and they found that 15% of the soil samples were positive for parasitic elements. So your kids are playing outside, they come inside, wash your hands before you eat. Otherwise, they could get contaminated and they could contract roundworms. And in humans, roundworms causes ocular larval migrants, which is basically the larval stage migrates into the eye and into the retina. And uh, many years ago, before they got really good diagnostic techniques, it used to look like these children had the start of a tumor in their eye. And there were many children lost their eyes because of it until they realized that better diagnostics, it was just a, a, a parasite that they could actually treat. So um, incredibly so important. Can it cause blindness? Yeah, it caused blindness. And also because they thought it was cancer, they, they, a lot of these children years ago used to have their eyes removed. So sad. Um, yeah, really sad. Yeah. So easy to prevent. Very easy to prevent. And, you know, hookworms and roundworms, two most common parasites are dogs and cats, puppies and kittens, and both are zoonotic. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. So, you know, in full disclosure, I have a fenced in backyard. I let my dog outside, but I also have a four year old toddler. So I am always really, really aggressive about making sure that everyone in the household is safe and healthy. I always make sure my dog is on a year round flea and tick and heartworm medication. And I'm based out of Minnesota where our state bird is the mosquito. But I also know that I worry about that zoonotic risk. No chance do I want my child to get any kind of lesions. You know, kids are just dirty (laughs) and so they don't always clean their hands. So, so important that you poop scoop your backyard frequently. And don't let your dog lick your kid face. Yeah. And that's because hard. How many, how many times was the, did the dog just turn around and lick its butt? 
right. and then want to lick your kid's face. I mean, exactly. Want to most, but that's the reality of it. Yep. And that's absolutely true. And that's harder to control versus keeping your dog and your cat on an appropriate preventative medicine just to make sure that right. they are healthy. And I always say my easiest advice for pet owners is do what your vet does. Your vet is going to make sure that their own pets they're going to make sure that they're healthy. They're going to make sure they're on year-round flea and tick and heartworm medication. They want to make sure they're dewormed. They want to make sure they're protected. And I can guarantee you, your veterinarian is poop scooping or your vet tech is. So when in doubt, you always want to make sure uh, that you're taking care of your pet responsibly. And make sure your vet is checking your pet for intestinal parasites. So the Companion Animal Parasite Council, we actually recommend that all puppies and kittens be tested for intestinal parasites four times in the first year of life. And that all pets, dogs and cats, should be tested twice a year thereafter. That's our guidelines. Yeah, it's so important. We'll continue with this really important topic right after these messages. Hi, this is Deborah Lau, president of Carnivore Research International. Did you know that people have used Carnivore for their pets successfully for a wide range of immune challenges for many decades? Here are Carnivore clients sharing their pet's testimonial. My cat had issues that developed in his eye, and six months later, they had to go ahead and scrape the eye. And three months later, the same ulcer came back on in the same eye. So my veterinarian said, you know what, let's go ahead and remove the eye. So that night, I heard the carnivore advertising. So I said, you know what, I'm going to order this product. That way, at least I tried. They did the procedure. They did all the tests. To their surprise, they said, I don't know what you did, but I'll see you in two months. I, I kid you not. This product saved his eye. Call 866-836-8735. That's 866-836-8735. Or visit carnivore.com. That's C-A-R-N-I-V-O-R-A.com. Macmillan Audio presents When Harry Met Minnie, a memoir from Martha Teichner, CBS Sunday Morning News correspondent. More than just a boy dog meets girl dog fairy tale, what transpires is a deep and meaningful friendship between two women with complicated lives and a mutual love of bull terriers. Order When Harry Met Minnie today, wherever audiobooks are sold. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> to ER Vet. So excited to be speaking with Dr. Craig Pryor today from CAPSI. You know, Dr. Pryor, I'd love to have you back for another episode. We'll talk about heartworms too. Yes. But I know that CAPSI has recently launched a new service and it's called Pet Disease Alerts. And I think more people are cognizant of this on their smartphone because you can actually download a COVID app that will tell you if someone near you has tested positive. So I love how this Pet Disease Alert can help notify pet owners about pet diseases in their local area, especially those dog parks. And again, we veterinarians joke that dog parks are, we joke and we say they're little money makers uh, for veterinarians. And it's because of all the dangers from dogs and cats 
or dogs being close to each other. Some aren't vaccinated. Some aren't dewormed. There's dog fights happening. I don't want that to happen. So when in doubt, you want to be aware of that. So I know people can go directly to petdisealerts.org to be able to track leptospirosis and canine influenza, two yes. diseases that are both highly contagious. Yes. And do you mind just giving us a little bit of background? What, first of all, is canine influenza and how does it spread and what are the symptoms of it? So uh, canine influenza is a respiratory virus of dogs and it can actually mimic, we see a lot of respiratory viruses in dogs. So they all tend to present similarly. So it's hard to know which ones are which you're dealing with, but canine influenza spreads very rapidly. It can be direct contact. It could be aerosol. It can be through fomites. So on your hands, clothing, things like that. And uh, so it spreads rapidly through a population of dogs and it causes often mild through severe, actually some animals will die from it, respiratory signs. So, you know, upper respiratory signs that then go down and then cause lower respiratory signs, pneumonia is a secondary result and off, and sometimes death. So uh, can make them very, very sick. So it's something that, you know, we recommend if you're taking your dog to a dog park, boarding facility, grooming, anything like that, it should have influenza vaccines. So there's two major strains. We can vaccinate against them. And, you know, it's always better to prevent a disease rather than deal with the end results. So, so we now have the alerts. So if there is a case in your county, we can send you a text to your cell phone. We can send you an email, let you know. Um, so we're providing that service as well, as well as alerting for leptospirosis. So leptospirosis is spread through the urine of contaminated animals and your dog can pick it up. I mean, can pick it up from wildlife. So your dog's out, you know, you're taking your dog for a walk in the woods and it laps from a puddle. Well, if you've had a wildlife animal that's urinated there and contaminated that, uh, that pond, that puddle, that creek, uh, that stream, your dog can contract it. And, you know, it's a severe disease. I mean, I mean, uh, Justine, you, you as an emergency vet, critical care, I mean, you deal with these in the emergency room all the time, don't you? And, you know, that's the, right. these animals are just so, so sick from it. And the, the other thing is, again, it's a zoonotic disease, you know, so if your pet has it, it's putting your whole family at risk. And in humans, it can be quite severe as well. Good news is we vaccinate against it and it's easy to vaccinate and it's a very, very successful vaccine. So, you know, we also provide alerts when this case is showing up in your county as well. You know, you brought up a couple of great points that I want to address. First of all, my dog is vaccinated every single year for leptospirosis. And again, I'm based out of the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, but we're at the head of the Mississippi River. And we see a ton of tick-borne disease, a ton of heartworm disease, a ton of different types of infectious disease because the Mississippi often floods in the spring when the snow melts. And my dog is an avid swimmer. He loves to chase his ball at the dog park. <laughs> and so it is something where I have it on my Google calendar to make sure my dog is vaccinated annually every April. In full disclosure, we still have snow on the ground just around March or April, but I want to make sure that I've given a couple of weeks for that vaccine to protect my dog. So again, do what your vet does. This vet in the ER vaccinates my own dog for lepto every single year. And again, the prognosis is about 75 to 80% survival. 80% of the time when I see it, dogs are in kidney failure, which means that 80, 75% of their kidney function is gone. And the frustrating thing is now the dogs are presenting an acute kidney failure because of that. The good thing is three out of every four dogs will survive it. But unfortunately, at the ER vet, that averages about three to four days of hospitalization and about a three to $5,000 bill. 
So if you don't want to pay for a, whatever your vet is charging for a vaccine, you could pay four to $5,000 to treat it knowing that unfortunately 20 to 25% of dogs die of lepto. So again, totally preventable, really important that you talk to your vet about it. I will say just last month, I had a dog that came in that was being treated for it. And the medical record actually said, dog has no exposure per owner to lepto decline vaccine. Well, the dog ended up getting lepto and right. you can get it in the city, you know, walking your dog on the sidewalk in cement. And if you notice too, I don't know if you notice in your ER work, but we're seeing more and more dogs. It used to be 20 years ago, the dogs that were, you know, farm dogs, country dogs. Now it's an inner city disease. That's right. In fact, a recent study out of Purdue found that the most common dogs that end up getting lepto are terrier breeds because they're so curious and their nose is always to the ground. And it's terrier breeds around 10 pounds uh, that live in the city. So again, this used to decades ago be, you know, dogs that roamed, dogs that lived on the farm in the country, but that's totally changed. So if you have a small terrier dog and you live in the city, like I do in the Twin Cities, please talk to your veterinarian about protection. I did want to briefly talk about canine influenza. And again, don't worry, this isn't anything that's infectious to you. When in doubt, in a previous episode on ER Vet, we did talk about leptospirosis. We did talk about canine influenza. So make sure to check that out. But I just want to give some people out there some peace when it comes to canine influenza. Most people aren't aware that the canine influenza vaccine was fast tracked through the FDA because of emergency outbreaks that were happening. And this occurred a few years ago, but I know everyone's kind of freaking out because the FDA has fast tracked the COVID vaccine. Please be aware this has happened in veterinary medicine before and it is safe. So obviously when in doubt, talk to your veterinarian or your MD, but the FDA also fast tracked certain veterinary vaccines, and it's very rare that they do it, but when in doubt, they do it when there's a epidemic or a pandemic or something like that. More importantly, when in doubt, keep your pet protected, and the best way is through preventative care. Now, Dr. Pryor, I just wanted to leave with a couple of last things. How do you sign up for the pet disease alerts, and how do you get the alerts, and what should you do? Like, do I start freaking out because I've been exposed or my pets have been exposed? What should I do in this scenario? So go to petdisealerts.org, and you'll see that there's a um, alerts, get alerts button there that you can click on. We are a nonprofit. We do ask for a small donation. It helps to defray some of our costs. You can then choose up to two or three counties where you live, and you set up an account with us, put in either email or, or your phone number, and we'll text you or email you. And so what do you do when you get alerts? Well, I'd call my veterinarian. I'd say to my veterinarian, hey, there's been an outbreak of lepto or there's been an outbreak of flu in, in our county. Is my pet protected? And they'll be able to look at your records and they'll be able to say, you know, yes, you've up to date on immunizations. You're not, you, you don't have problems or, you know, your immunizations are due next month. Let's get you in a month early and just booster them to be sure that we've got great immunity. Or they'll tell you, you know, you have not been vaccinated for that. Let's get you in. So talk to your veterinarian. They're the local experts. They know what's going on. 
Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Pryor. Fantastic information. Again, if you live in those 10 cities or you live anywhere in the United States or North America or anywhere in the world, your dog and cat are at risk for some of these infectious diseases. And I hate to break it to you, but it's way more common than you think. And the weird thing is you may not think that worms are most prevalent in the winter, especially in some of these warmer locations, but please talk to your veterinarian on how to keep your dog and cat safe so you can avoid a costly visit to the ER vet. Dr. Pryor, any last tips you want to leave us with? Just remember, there's always a parasite active. You know, it may be a tick, it may be a flea, it may be intestinal parasite, but parasites are active year round and parasites are dynamic and ever-changing. They're on the move. So you need to protect your pet. So you need to talk to your veterinarian. Excellent information. When in doubt, talk to your veterinarian and please know there are really, really safe products out there to treat your pet. When in doubt, you always want to talk to your veterinarian about that. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or on Instagram, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time. And Dr. Pryor, we just wanted to thank you so much. We'd love to have you back to talk about heartworm disease too, if you don't mind. Anytime. Thank you so much. And we also wanted to give a huge shout out to Mark Winter, our producer at Pet Life Radio, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.